Welcome to The Breadwinners. We're back for season five and taking your questions about work, life, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Owens. I served as editorial director of Working Mother Media and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm Rahel Ellison. I'm an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. There's nothing we like more than talking about work-life strategies, but we know that in the real world, such questions can be very personal and a little prickly. In this season of The Breadwinners, we tackle them all. Raquel. Yes. (laughs) So it's time to tackle another sticky work-life question, and this one's a doozy. Are you ready? Ooh, sure. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I have been promoted into a manager role, but it comes with a demoralized team. I am new to managing, and I worry about taking on the negative and demoralized culture of this group. Ouch. Should I run for the hills? How could I turn their frowns upside down? Should I even try? What do you think? Sure. Well, (laughs) I mean, have you ever been offered that? Like, here you go. Here you go. Here. We're going to promote you. We're going to make you good news. You're the new boss. Bad news of this team. Clarifying question. Is this an yes. internal promotion? Like, was this person on the demoralized team before or are they on a different team? I don't know. It just says they've been promoted into a manager role. So is yeah, there a I'm different thought? They're not on that team because okay. that's a whole other can of worms right there. <laughs> Let's assume that they're coming into a team that they've seen you know, from from afar, you know. Correct. Yeah, correct. So I think it's kind of like. It's time to, listener, it's time to do a <laughs> One, you got to do some self-reflection about the kind of leader that you naturally are. Oh. And you need to do some investigation around what's going on. I think what people tend to think when they come into or just sort of the easiest. I'm already like laughing to myself because yes, I have come into these types of situations and already think of myself in some way that's wrong. So yes, please continue. I mean, I think people revert to, you know, when it's odd, when it's awkward, when they're stepping in to kind of a like an ambiguous situation. I think the team that's unhappy, I think you see people sort of taking like a Michael Scott from the office approach in the sense that it's like, let's very obviously create a party. Like, or like, let's, yeah. you know, Forced very frivolity is not fun. my thing. No, I do not like it. <laughs> no, and it's, I mean, I don't think everybody does that, but I think it, it's sort of like a, like, come on, kids, let's put on a show and forget yeah, all I mean, your unhappiness. Rush, right? But it's like, let's, you know, I, I was just talking to a client the other day who was saying, who was kind of looking at when you see an interpersonal challenge, the first thing that you think of is like, how do I make it nice and fun? And so yes. like that interpersonal Well, and how do I fix it? And in that fixing is, how can I change your attitude? You know? <laughs> right, right. I mean, I think... Yeah. You know, what is interesting, I'm trying to see if I can remember the numbers, but there's a model called the grippy model. Goals, roles, 
processes and interpersonal relationships. And basically, when a new manager comes onto a team and sees a lot of unhappy people who are very unhappy interpersonally, yeah, I think that the first reaction is like, let's run over to the interpersonal space and see what we can what we can do to kind of get people happier and do the Michael Scott thing. What the grippy model suggests is they kind of make it into like a, it's like a pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. Goals. Actually, I'm looking at a picture where it's reversed, but it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? That's how it's like, you've got to have goals as the You got to know what we're all moving towards, right? Yeah. Then you got roles, then processes, then interpersonal relationships. And so the question is, when you come into to that role, you I said you want to look at yep. yourself and then you want to look at the team and do some investigative work. So let's start with the team and jumping into that grippy model. You need to really think about what what are the goals that are explicitly agreed upon that folks have committed to, right? Like so already. Not, not yeah. like, oh, our goals are on a piece of paper and they're in the shared point and da, da, da. Like, what are people actually agree to do? You know, is there a lack of clarity somewhere? If there is a lack of clarity around goals, hmm. stop. Yeah. Like, like that's yeah. where you have to like dive in and figure out, you know, let's sort that out. So if you do find, okay, you've walked in, the goals are clear. Everybody's agreed and committed to them. Fantastic. But then you look at the roles and you're like, Jeff is really doing what Susan is doing also. So that was, I was actually thinking with goals. I'm like, of course it gets in the roles of like, cause you know, that's where it gets, that's always, always annoyed me on teams where, Hey, this is my yard. You know, like I totally want to work with you and be collaborative, this is my yard. You, exactly. Your yard. Yeah. So that's the roles part. I got it. Okay. Yeah, that happens a lot. I think that that comes up a lot. And and I think what we, I think when practitioners come in and look at the roles and thinking about role clarity, sometimes we use something called a racy chart. Who's yes. responsible, who's accountable, who's consulted, who's informed. So like just really trying to map that out. But what I think actually has come up for me in a recent project and and that I see, I've seen with clients a lot too, is, you know, you have to look at what the kind of the explicit roles are, like, what are the job descriptions, what's been kind of articulated. And then like, you know, particularly in an organization where folks have been around for a while, like what, you know, what parts of the role might really be hitting a very personal place for them, right? Mm -hmm. Do they really feel like, oh, I am the one who like always checks. I achieve something, you know, like, yeah, I take library. And like, if I'm not doing that anymore, you know, whatever it might be, right. I'm just coming up with, with some examples, which, what did you say? What was your example? Oh, you know, like something where I always do this and there's a sense of achievement that I kind of, this is what I do for the team. Yeah. 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 That comes up quite a lot, right? So it's so it's about really it's identifying. often hidden, isn't it? Well, it's often hidden in the sense that it's something that's working well 
on the team and people, because it works well, sometimes people take it for granted and yet it's important. And it's that like, sometimes those roles are like, yeah, role on role as defined on a job description on a piece of paper, but then there's the reality of how that role is actually executed. The extra things someone does or, and acknowledging, I think acknowledging that kind of stuff as a new manager is very mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. Like really you do that? Oh, thank you so much. I mean, is right. that working out for you? You know, how does it go? And yeah, it's seeing right. the unseen work. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's really important. It's, it's reading between the lines, right? It is this mm. detective investigator job that you have. Then, so if you've got the goals and the roles all set, which would be awesome, then you got to look at like the processes, right? Are your yes. meetings effective or are they just kind no. of hour and a half <laughs> rambling conversations about things that are never documented? Not that I'm. I, I wouldn't know from that at all. Before. Yeah. You know, are folks able to solve problems? Are people able to make decisions? Like, yeah. Can, can those conversations happen relatively smoothly? If not, you got to look at that, right? And you got to try to put, some pieces in place there. Then finally, if all of that's set, you got the goals, you got the roles, the processes are clear, people just can't stand each other. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Then you've got to really look at how are people communicating with each other and what are the different styles of communication. And and I think it's not so much that you're going to change anyone's style. It's that you just need to know what their style is and what yours is and how to you know, be really as transparent as possible about what you're trying to accomplish, like give the context for something when you ask for something. And, you know, be really explicit about about where you're coming from when you come into an interaction, right? So yeah. again, I'm thinking about a conversation that I had with a client where she was saying that she is challenged by wanting to be the kind of leader who just kind of like does it for all of the people. Like I've done this. Yeah. I can just like bring, like gather the troops and we'll go forward because I'm leading. And and that person is very conscious of, you know, the need to to take a step back and not to give other people opportunities to, you know, to shine, to come to their own conclusions. Yeah. She sent like a in the process of of this team kind of that she was supervising coming to their own planning and coming to their own conclusions she sent them like a suggestion like oh did you take a look at this like here's one way to do it and it really set off some alarm bells for folks so they felt like she was kind of oh she's doing oh, overstepping and, yeah and you know particularly people who are just like very there's all these different typologies right but there's one called communication styles, which is super simple that I like, where it's basically like there are people who there's a type called considerate. And like there are people who just like need you to really like sugarcoat things sometimes. <laughs> yes. that, that is what they need in order to feel safe. Right. And so this client was kind of leaning towards like, okay, well, I'm just going to like step back and just be like super saccharine sweet and do what I need to do. To make these exhausting (laughs) happy. And I was like, you know, actually, I don't think that's going to get you very far because you're just going to be pretty 
taffing the brakes all the time. You're just riding the brake on everything that needs to happen. Yeah. Right. So instead, you know, can you think about, well, two things. One thing, I think the assumption that I hear from people who are finding themselves needing to kind of shift around a quote unquote considerate, like interpersonally focused, the kind of type that that I'm talking about. Does that type make sense? The kind of considerate type? Does that make do you yeah. know where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So like, I think the feeling is, well, if they're considerate, then I'm not really focused on the interpersonal. I just want to get stuff done. And that I think is a, is a misconception, I think. Oh, that's just me. (laughs) When you have, when you, you know, you just are taking a very different approach. And so what I think we're seeing here is the need to just be more transparent about it. Like, Hey, you know what? Thanks for that feedback. Or I got feedback that, you know, I was trying to run the show. What I I thought it would be helpful context, but what's important to me is like that you're giving me feedback. Right. Because I do want to learn from what you're saying. Right. So I I think it's but being very direct about how that can be impactful. Right. Yeah. So you you wouldn't necessarily flee the demoralized team role, I guess. I mean, Hey, it just seems I so often, know. you know, uh, real talk between us ladies. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like they, I've always thought that, you know, when something is broken, that's when they let a woman come in and lead it. <laughs> so, like, oh, this team is incredibly broken. This country is down the tubes. We'll let you be prime minister. You know, this company is is about to get kicked off the NASDAQ, but now you can be CEO. So like often I feel like there's a, I mean, I am overstating that for sure, but it does seem that often when something is like in bad straits, they're like, okay, well, we'll, we'll let the girl take over for now. And so sometimes these are the opportunities that are afforded you. Right. But also you don't have to take every opportunity too. Not every opportunity is the right one. So, but what do you think about it? There is, I've done this. I've, I've had these teams a couple times, like stepping into externally, internally, that there just was a, a chapter that was the Hillary Clinton listening to her vibe where it just, you made appointments with everyone on the team uh-huh. and they came in and they had to just vent for a while or, in one gig, I had a box of tissues because just there was so much yeah. frustration that tears always happened. And it, it yeah. was awful. But I felt like I had to kind of let that happen, both to hear what they were saying and to discern what they were really saying, but also mm-hmm. so that they were heard. Yeah. Those are rough times. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, I definitely have worked with leaders. I worked with a leader who came on a team, you know, worked with a lot of new leaders, but I worked with a new leader who came on a team and it was pretty bad. It wasn't just demoralized. Like they'd been through, they'd been through kind of the worth, the ringer. Yeah. Like they really, they felt that way for a number of reasons. And And here comes, was this person coming in from the outside or from the inside for the outside? Okay. Yes. You know, pros and cons, right? Like you don't have the baggage, but you also aren't seen as one of us who actually knows the culture, you know? Correct. Correct. 
And, you know, several people on that team had been vying for her spot. And, you know, it just, it wasn't a good scene. And one of the processes that, that I did with this, in this big organization is you actually kind of do, you know, in some ways it could feel like a live 360. So 360 being like Mm -hmm. where you're asking everybody their opinion about, about someone's performance, but because it's so early in that person's tenure, it's not really supposed to be about evaluating their performance so much as saying like, what are your hopes for this person? It could be Fred Flintstone, but like, what do you hope would happen? You know, what, based on what you know about Fred, you know, what could he bring to the table? Yeah. What would help you? Right. Right. Like asking questions like that, you know, what does Fred need to know? Yeah. About, about your history as a team. And so I did that. Why won't Fred wear shoes? I mean, there's a lot of important questions there. (laughs) But like, you know, I did that with one team and this team that I'm referring to. And it was just like, it was bad. So what, so what I, the way that I did it was when we were very much in person, I took like big flip chart papers and I would answer each of these nine questions. I would kind of allow them to answer and then write in my own handwriting kind of, So it was anonymized. I didn't, you know, I didn't include anything that said, like Jennifer says. Barney Rubble. (laughs) Like, so I think that was helpful. And then when that leader came back in um, and looked through everything, that person could really get a very comprehensive story. But, you know, it's hard. Sometimes you come into a situation like that and you're like, whoa, this is not just like disgruntled, unhappy. This is, and demoralized. This is like, angry. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something to think about. And I think that's a, it's not such a fine line between the two. So thinking about. (laughs) Yeah. The pretenders would say there's a thin line between love and hate. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Are there things that, what's your go-to advice for like someone coming in as a new manager? Because I know mine. I'll ask it and then already answer it. Year a million years ago, my friend Lori gave me the tip that had been given to her of the first ninety days. The yeah, the, the, thir- the thirty sixty ninety. Sure, love it. It always like centers your thinking, and the best are the the I guess are case studies or narratives of like people who you know are are into their first manager role and all the mistakes they make and all the, all the stuff. And you're like, Oh, I'll never do that. But, and then you do, but that, that book is a really good, it's an easy read. I always listen to it on audio book and, and I redo it with every new job. It's my kind of, I mean, it's my, my touch point to start again, because basically it's saying organize those 4,000 thoughts that are coming in and make a plan. Totally. No, I think that's great. I think that's a great, place to start for a new manager. You know, I think it really depends, you know, are you coming into a totally new organization or coming in? It's on, you know, in this example, someone's coming in yeah. to a team that they, you know, within an organization, it sounds like they're already in. So they're not kind of learning the whole landscape. They're really just true. Yeah. Just coming in and trying to get a sense of what the expectations are of this team. And really developing, I think, clear lines of communication, you know, develop a regular cadence that you're communicating to the team, you know. Yeah. 
all to like as a collective? What are you develop regular um, points of communication between you and each of the team members? One of the things that I like to focus on, I think is really important now, not more than ever, but I think now that we're really moving away from looking at performance management as like a, you know, as an input focused exercise, right? Like how much, how many hours are you putting in? How many, you know, we're, we have different ways of kind of nurturing growth that are need to be just thought of a little differently. So in addition to doing kind of performance management, um, where we look at like, how are you doing your goals? What kind of outcomes are you achieving? Which is, you know, really when we look at outcomes-based performance, that's obviously, we need to be monitoring that. We need to make sure that when people are working more independently and asynchronously, that they're actually coming back with, with some concrete work. And then we also need to be looking at, you know, when you start those one-on-one conversations with folks, think about performance development as well, right? So think about how to how to focus on the, the, the goals orientation and the coaching orientation. Interesting. Um, and like yep. take that off from the, from the jump, right? Like what, yeah. how can you kind of, what do people want to learn? in the job. You know, and I, I had someone come on my team not too long ago and there is a lot to, to tackle for our team. And I said, as that person was getting up to speed, I said, you know, like, I want you, when you're jumping into this, you have your goals, you know what you need to accomplish, but really think about like, what will feel like success for you? What do you want to learn like, what, where do you want to grow and how can we set this up so that you can do that best yeah. instead of just like, I want to win the goal, you know, like I yeah. want to just. And I'm supposed to produce 15%, you know, blah, 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 growth. Yeah. It's a push, push goal and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we would do surveys with the Working Mother Research Institute. And one of our favorite findings was looking at like satisfaction at your work. And it didn't matter what level you were It you know, hourly up to C-suite. If you felt that your work was a career and that you were moving forward, there are things to learn that you felt engaged. That's where the satisfaction lies. No matter where, you know, it wasn't salary, you know, we all want to be paid. We all should be paid, blah. But that engagement on like your career, you yeah. know, like yeah. that, that you're learning something new. And um, yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's what makes it because it also it telegraphs that your boss and the company is investing in you too. They care, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, if you ever get an opportunity to learn something or do something, take it because you'll take it with you. <laughs> True. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so what are we saying here? We, this person should take this job. I mean, come to the table with a lot of energy. This isn't going to be, you're not going to kind of roll into this job. and kind of <laughs> Hey, hey. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> exactly. You're not doing that. You're coming in and I mean, we actually did this in the opposite order. But what I would say first is really do some thinking. I'd love the suggestion of the 30, 60, 90, you know, 
the book, which, which is for those who don't know, that's, you know, plans for 30 days. What are you going to, you know, what do you want yeah, to accomplish in 30 days, 60 right. days, 90 days? Yes. For those who don't read that book over and over again, like I do. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think it's, it's great. So I think, you know, taking that approach, but then also thinking about your communication style, your, do you like to, are you very spirited when you come into a conversation? Are you very direct? Are yeah. you very considerate? Do you want to kind of like see how people are and build rapport? Do you need to focus on sort of structured information? Like where's the data? What does the data say we should do? Just know that everybody's not going to have that same approach that you have, whatever it is you have. Um, it might be some combination of those two. And just be aware of that. So any kind of reflection that you can do on your style for processing and communicating information. And I mean, I think you could, I don't want anyone to go into like a rabbit hole of trying to kind of figure themselves all out. I think the communication piece is really the place to start when you think about yourself as a leader. And then also, you know, in addition to that, like what motivates you? Like, what do you want to see, right? What would make, if, if we said in eight months, this is going to be a happier team. What is that? What does a happier team look like to you? Is it just that nobody's fighting? Are people creative and collaborating? Like what, what's happening? So just kind of defining your style, thinking about, you know, where you would like the team to go. Then as far as the team investigation piece, really, you know, take a look. You can Google Grippy model, goals, roles, processes, and interpersonal. And just really start to do a scan, you know, try to think about how to investigate the goals piece first, right? Look at, are there any kind of team charter documents? Are there any strategy documents that you can reference to see, you know, okay, this is what we're saying on paper. Is this really what we're all about in person Yeah, or not in person? Like, you know, not on paper. Then look at the roles, right? And Try to identify that on what's going on there and the processes and the interpersonal. Now, the visual that I'm describing is, you know, this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this kind of like step-by-step pyramid. And it's obviously not always as clean as that. But I think that the most important thing is to really, you know, focus on start with the goals. Start and start with a plan of how you're going to take in all, all this information and yeah. organize it, you know, yeah. like and what to prioritize. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's absolutely, that's absolutely how to go. And then I think, you know, you also have folks above you who, you know, not that you would go, you know, with every challenge, but, but find folks who, you know, maybe inside and outside of the organization who you are inspired by as leaders and who you would like to learn from. And so, you know, as you're exploring the challenges of this role, you know, make sure that you're sort of seeing as you're thinking about your vision, you're seeing what's possible and what you'd like to aspire to. I love it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you so much for joining us on The Breadwinners. Do you have a sticky work-life question for us? Send it our way at thebreadwinnerspod at gmail.com. We're here to help. And please take a moment to rate and review our show. It really helps. And of course, join us on Facebook or Instagram at The Breadwinners Podcast. And until next time, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.